It's Message, Media, and Movement. I'm your host, Eric Morse. Message, Media, and Movement is a podcast about marketing from the standpoint of the brand and agency space, working on for-profit campaigns, as well as the public sector, nonprofits, and political campaigns. And in today's episode, we're going to spend some time talking about communications and messaging with two experts in the field. We're talking with Stacy DeRiso, the Chief Operating Officer at PhD, a global communications planning and media buying agency. Stacy was one of the judges of the 2017 EFI Awards, which honors the most effective marketing communications of the year. Um, and Stacy comes from Ogilvy, where she was senior partner, and before that she was SVP at BBDO and at McCann. Stacy and I had an awesome conversation with Joel Barkin, the communications director at the Rafi Group. Joel provides strategic communications and government affairs support to the Rafi Group's broad range of clients, and before his role there, he was Deputy Secretary of State for the New York Department of State. He was the Managing Director at the Progressive States Network. And he began his career as the Spokesperson and Communications Director and Senior Advisor to Senator Bernie Sanders. So as you can imagine, I was really excited to get Stacy and Joel together to talk about what goes in to effective communications and messaging and how to build a movement. I'm not sure we'll find anybody who can speak to the topic better than they can. I think I um, found my start in my affinity for brands as a, as a teenager. I loved um, different, different brands I was wearing or that I was associating with. I became really into the brand itself. I had logos on my bedroom wall, you know, silly teenage stuff. But um, it's interesting. I found myself as I went through college and then into the workforce wanting to work with uh, and be beha- on behalf of those brands. And by some kind of stroke of luck and a good boss uh, early on who told me I should work at an advertising agency and made some calls for me. Um, that's how I ended up in this business, weirdly enough. <laughs> in the, agent, the ad agency and marketing agency space, for a lot longer than a lot of people I know. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough business. It's a kid's business, as I say, but you know, it's it's interesting because it's one that's uh, starving for grownups mm-hmm. uh, right now, especially as a lot of brands and businesses and clients um, are solving or need to solve much more complex and difficult problems. So, you know, kids' business uh, in need of adults' experience, uh, expertise, uh, support, and consult. How about, how about you, Joel? How how did you? What was your career route like? I uh, I started my career in in Washington, uh, D.C. Doing um, started doing advocacy work, uh, sort of working on a communications department, but it was more event planning, conference, uh, which is a big D.C. Uh, industry in and of itself, but I was doing it through a, uh, a nonprofit or large nonprofit advocacy organization. And, and then really I sort of got into the press communication world 
almost by accident. Um, I had had a friend who had uh, recommended me for a job on Capitol Hill uh, working for uh, a member of Congress who was looking for a press secretary. And I had never done press uh, outreach and uh, wasn't really very sure of even what the job was, but this congressman seemed interesting to me uh, and thought I would be a good experience. And I ended up being, you know, Bernie Sanders from Vermont. So I was his spokesperson for, you know, three or four years working on the Hill. Wow. Uh, and it was uh, an incredible experience. I mean, he taught me, you know, sort of set me on a trajectory uh, ever since. And, and really just because he was such a, his whole, you know, for for years and years, his entire platform was basically uh, not through seniority because he was an independent in the House. He wasn't a senator yet, but really to use the media. Uh, so I went into this very demanding uh, job for a person who, you know, as a person who didn't really have much clue in even how to do this job and sort of trial by fire and then that that set up you know uh, a much longer career in communication did bernie ever tell you you're not yelling enough uh <laughs> no he wasn't uh he, he knew he was the one who did the yelling but you know there, there was a lot of you know joel I, I expect you to be able to get me a story on the international monetary fund or the world bank, you know, whatever it's a, these esoteric topics sometimes, uh, that he, he thought needed to be connected to the average person. So uh -huh. it, it, uh, there, there was a lot of pressure in that way. Do you still work with Bernie? I love him. You know, I, I, uh, it's been, a while. I helped out on his Senate, uh, race, you know, races early on and, and I'm still very close with a number of people who work with him, but I've, uh, I've sort of graduated from that. But I, but I will always be, you know, eternally grateful uh, <laughs> and and thankful. And he's a good man. You know, he is a fundamentally a good man. So I, uh, I, I am. And it was funny, you know, when I was when I when he became a very serious candidate for president. You know, I started getting all these calls. I mean, I haven't worked for the guy in, since 2004, maybe. I don't know, even before. Um, but I was just out there, so it was all these background pieces. You know, can you tell us about him? <laughs> which, which was just sort of funny, given who he was and uh, who he is. It's a, it's a really interesting. That that's interesting to me because. I, the story that you hear more often is the young, either idealistic or committed uh, person who starts, who in a similar way gets kind of thrown into a role, sort of a trial by fire, um, but quickly gets disillusioned. But for someone, for for a young person just getting moved into the political realm, it seems to me like you couldn't have a better or at least a more kind of authentic and honest uh, mentor than Bernie. Absolutely. And I think the one thing that has stuck with me to this day in terms of what, what he taught me about communications 
is discipline to message, right? I mean, that guy, uh, you know, there was a saying that he, he used to tell me, like, um, our goal is to get it to the point where people are, you know, you're so sick of hearing him say it that you're like, enough, stop saying the middle class is collapsing, right? Like, then you know you've, had, you've gotten, like, real sort of message penetration for a, for a politician, for elected official. And I think that's, you know, so much has changed in the way we communicate in media, but to me that, that sort of tenant is, uh, ha has been pretty consistent. Stacey, in your career, as you've moved through communications and, and PR agencies, and I know you've worked with quite a few uh, big name brands and really top tier brands. Um, have you had the opportunity to kind of build and maintain a message in a similar way? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it probably it probably is pretty similar uh, and just as important for big brands, right? Um, I think if you think about a lot of brands, especially some of the powerful ones, you tend to know what they stand for. Um, you tend to probably like or buy them because of what they stand for. I think that's a that's something that's happening more and more now, um, right? Especially young people, they're they're making choices based on uh, brands and beliefs they support. Um, Feel the same about so i think it's it's critical for those marketers uh those cmos the people developing advertising and any outward uh brand message and experience to ensure that the message is clear and powerful that the storytelling is is strong and that the experiences in which um those brands engage with people it is consistent obviously in the in the brand messaging and communication space there's a lot of especially on the media side, figuring out how, figuring out one-to-one -one communication, massaging the message to be uh, ideal for smaller and smaller and more precise groups of people. Um, Joel, how do you kind of massage messages for, for individual groups or is it much more of a, of a, this is who we are, this is who we stand for. Like Stacy just said, you know, you have to, you know, it, yeah, it all really depends on, um, you know, sort of what the what the goal we're trying to accomplish is. So a lot of what I do now is is represent, you know, various nonprofits, businesses, um, uh, associations uh, at the state and and local level that are either looking to pass a certain public policy or stop a certain public policy. And, uh, and depending on, you know, the dynamic, really it could be the audience's change. So a lot of times or, um, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, the, the audience, the legislator, right. That, that will be voting and okay. So what are the ways, that we need to get to that legislator? Is it through um, their constituency, through their local media? Is it is it through the political circles and you know in these capital capital? You know it 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 varies depending on the issue. Uh, so the the tactics you know 
change, but you know there there have been things where you know we've really had to to push a a statewide communications plan to drive a certain public policy. In which case you're you know you're targeting specific uh, districts of specific members. You're in in specific media markets that will uh, generate attention on the issue and then trying to push it up so you're you know sort of drumming momentum behind it so that you can uh, show that it has this statewide appeal um, or sometimes it can be just a matter of uh, you know target someone like through the through the you know political media and, and getting you know getting to look sort of sideways so that it of being a, you know, a, a political problem or political right. uh, opportunity. Yeah. Uh, Stacey, is that something that you guys get involved in on your side uh, in terms of, you know, massaging an individual message down to a small group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially now um, in, in a world where we have so much data, and we can get far more customized in our message, far more relevant in, in our offers and products that make sense for, for consumers. Um, I think we, we definitely do. Uh, you have to do it in a scalable way. But at the end of the day, those messages do always, and always, at least always should, ladder up to the bigger, bigger kind of brand meeting and promise and, and position. behavior. Um, you know, we do a lot of uh, primary research, secondary research to understand um, what, you know, what drives consumer needs, what drives consumer behaviors, what's a part of culture that we want to kind of get underneath, uh, what are motivators. Absolutely. Um, sometimes we are hiring anthropologists or people with the scientific background, right? Um, and sometimes it's, it's through the work we do with uh, strategy teams, brand planners, whatever, whatever they're called. They're people that kind of get into or underneath consumers and, and draw insights out of that. So there's certainly some, you know, psychology around it. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think a lot about the, you know, the, the vehicle of the messaging, you know, who's delivering the message. And is that vehicle going to have authenticity to the people you're trying to deliver that message to? And, and that is a... You know, I mean, whether that's the psychology of it, but I, I do think on all, and I work on a range of different issues that that really vary uh, pretty dramatically. But I think with all of them, um, you know, I look to try to be, uh, you know, when dealing with our audience, I where do we how do we best meet the people where they are and something that's believable and where your reaction is not going to be uh, automatically to, to be cynical or, uh, or or not believe sort of what you're selling, in other words, right? Yeah. Uh, and in crafting a message that fits within um, people's limited, usually limited understanding of an issue, um, 
that 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 becomes pretty paramount to me you know is making sure what what we are pushing is believable uh based on who's pushing it i mean there would be people who would vote literally i mean vermont is not has a fairly uh, sizable amount of conservative people even by vermont standards uh who are republican and there are the people who would vote for george bush at the time and vote for Bernie. And you'd say, how is that possible? How is someone like, what is their perception of even the political, you know, universe that they think that that it, there's any level of consistency in that. And you would ask, and, and you would ask them all issues. They wouldn't agree with him on any really issue, but then say, well, why, why did you vote for him? He's like, well, he, I know he fights for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it got back to me, which was also sort of a lesson I took away from it, is that, you know, it gets back to people do internalize these things very personally. And, and they want to know that you sort of identify with their life and that you're on their side. Which side are you on? It's always been my sort of, you know, in politics, I think it's always driving the way people, you know, split up the world and they you know, identify people either as being on their side or not on their side. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's about sort of showing that you, like for candidates, I always, you know, recommend, it's like, be clear about whose side you're on. It's, it's, so in the, as I kind of think about that and try to translate it in my head into the brand world, you know, there are, there are those brands like the apples of the world that people identify with but not every brand has that cachet is that is is stacy is the kind of idea of creating something that people can identify with on a really sort of personal level um is that something that you strive for uh in with any client or is that something that people in your position would kind of pick and choose based on who the brand is and uh, I think I think it depends. I think br the brand plays an important role um, across any any brand, any category. I, I think not all not all are gonna have fanboys, right? But um, because they have different roles, these brands play different roles in uh, to consumers, for consumers, you know, as businesses. But I think how do you create something? Uh, as a brand that is relevant and resonant to what people care about. And they might not care that much, right? They might not care enough to be, um, but they still want to drink Coke for a reason. They're still going to buy, I don't know, something from General Mills for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots more products that we're, we're more, we're highly engaged in, like technology, to your point about, about Apple, or sneakers, if I were to argue Nike, Nike. Uh, you know, those have a fanboy or a culture around them. Lots of others, though, have to um, get you to pay attention, have to get noticed, uh, and ultimately have to get bought. So the brand plays a role in that. I want to come back just for a sec to something you said, Stacy, about the agency world being a kid's business. That's a really interesting and, I think, astute observation. And it seems to be true for politics and government as well. Joel, I get the feeling your story of being thrown into this high profile role 
of being a spokesperson for Bernie Sanders at a young age is actually somewhat common. Yeah, I was just talking to a young young guy was in my office today asking me for advice. He's an intern and he's thinking about government. And I told him, I said, well, one of the advantages of government is it's one of the only sectors where you can go in at a very young age and be given a really disproportionate amount of responsibility that you don't have any business sort of with, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a great, you know, it's, it, it builds a lot of confidence early on. So I think in, in politics, that's sort of always been the case. I mean, even where young people almost to a silly degree are, are put in these roles that they have no business being in. But Yeah, and, and it also – so the other, the other thing that is kind of a recurring theme in this podcast is um, how many people I know on the brand side or the private sector side who have flirted with or tried to – cross the line and get involved in usually like a political campaign, but sometimes in more like nonprofits and that kind of thing. And it's a really hard transition to make. I, th I think primarily because people do um, grow up in it so fast and at such a young age. Um, Joel, do you have thoughts about the, viability of people who are trying to kind of cross over and make that transition from 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 like a, yeah like a private sector or a, a brand marketing well, I, I mean in the communication side i think uh what you're what you're seeing in a lot i mean more and more companies uh brands um have just major uh, things in front of state, local, and federal government, right? I mean, it's just, you know, we represent lots of Fortune 500 companies, and their, um, and their brands are intimately tied into uh, what's happening from a public policy standpoint, right? And... Uh, and all of those issues can have like very dramatic, you know, communications implications for them. Mm -hmm. So being able to work with companies to help navigate that and understand from a communication side, especially when a major disaster could, you know, like public policy disaster, could, you know, drive in a state like New York can drive a lot of uh you know, shareholder prices, right? Um, so in that sense, the, the crossover is pretty, you know, seamless for me, you know? Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a lot more synergy, more than so than there's really ever been between, you know, pu the public sector and the private sector. Hmm. Our, words, our world's emerging, right? I'm not sure if you'd call it public and private in this way, but... Right. There, you know, in social media or just through any social channel, we all have voices. People, brands, politicians, you know, governments. It's it's we're all in the same kind of forums, uh, putting our brands out or our voices out in the world. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting thing to watch. And and how how we behave. Do we behave differently in those places and spaces, or 
Um, are we all kind of, you know, behaving the same or similarly? Yeah, of course. No, that's what I do every day, you know, <laughs> is craft different messages for different audiences, even on the same issue.